everybody, and welcome to the Dean Cost Podcast. This is Allie. And this is Keely. So this week we are going to be talking about The Chitters and Don't Call Me Shirley, episode 19 and 20, respectively. Two great episodes in a row. Yeah. Yes, really. There's a lot There's a lot going on here. Even if Cass isn't in either of them. Rest in peace. <laughs> you make it sound like he's dead. Well, I mean... He's about as close to being dead as Cass could ever be, because like he clearly doesn't die, ever, as discussed in "Don't Call Me" Sh- or yeah, "Don't Call Me Shirley." So we'll get to that. First episode is "The Chitters," written by Nancy Wong, directed by Eduardo Sanchez, who was also the director of Blair Witch Project, which is probably why this episode was so spooky and excellent. This episode was like creepy in a way that I was like kind of wincing and like I was like kind of freaked out which has never happened before when I've watched Supernatural yeah yeah it was definitely definitely you know kind of brought back that horror vibe we've had a few episodes like that this season which I thought was really interesting because um you know ever since I'd say season like three it's more been an action adventure show yeah for sure yeah I think season one was kind of the only true horror season and, I mean, the more time that goes on and the more they explore stuff, the the less mystery it has. Yeah, yeah, and that's another thing, is this was a new uh, monster. Like a like a weird cicada monster, since uh, culturally relevant, those 27-year cicadas coming out this year. Is it 27, or is it 24? I don't know anything about cicadas. I don't think I've ever encountered them. They're huge, and they're loud. I've encountered them on Animal Crossing. That doesn't count. <laughs> oh, it doesn't? Oh, okay. Oh. I say so. Yeah, they, like, we we had them pretty bad back a few years ago, and they, like, would land on trees and, like, shed their, like, outer skin or whatever. Gross. And then it just stays there, and it just looks like it's a cicada, and then they crunch. Gross. So that's fitting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very fitting. You know, crunchy outer shell. So when this episode started, I wasn't really sure what to expect, because all they were talking about was weed and orgies. <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, big fan of, personally, but... <laughs> <laughs> Same. So that, I thought, was really, really funny, and I thought that they were able to take that and kind of make it into a serious, actual episode that was good and creepy. It was very well done. Like, kudos to Nancy Wan. I mean, no, not a lot of people could make... 15 weed jokes in 10 minutes and then make the very end of the episode very you know profound and touching yeah and i love um jesse and cesar yeah they're just the hunter husbands we have always wanted and hopefully are going to be destined to have more of (laughs) (laughs) oh god okay but before we get into them i think let's do a little bit more kind of at the beginning episode because i thought the Sam and Dean, when they were kind of ribbing each other, I thought was really cute. Like when Dean was like, oh, Sam, you would know that it was weed or whatever. And it's like, Dean, are you really going to make fun of Sam for smoking weed once? You useless stoner. Yeah. It, there's, we know there's subtext for Dean doing drugs. We know he's done drugs. It's not a secret, Dean. Don't be, don't even pretend. Come on. I know. We know he's done more than weed, too. So, yeah, like, which one of you is the alcoholic? Come on, Dean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now I'm sad. Yeah. 
Also, those two girls were lesbians, just saying. Yeah. Did you see her outfit? <laughs> Christ. <laughs> Lesbian calling card. It is! It's like, one of those things is a coincidence, but two or more together is like, on purpose. Yeah. Anyway, lesbians. Weed lesbians. Weed lesbians. Yeah, are you a beer lesbian or a weed lesbian? I don't like beer, but I don't know. I don't <laughs> don't want to say anything was an incriminating. Acne. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Moving on. So yeah, we have like people that are like kind of spontaneously having weird orgies and Dean goes out to investigate in the woods and we meet Jesse, little Jesse, who we met in the, the cold open. I think the the main thing that really struck me about Jesse is just he was such a this just this little sweet boy and then we see him as an adult and he's just grizzled. Really like he can he's obviously very hardened by the hunter lifestyle and he's very you know, his facial expressions are pretty mean and it's just, uh, who else have we seen that happen to? You know, Sam yeah. and Dean. And it's just, it was so striking to see those two portrayals so close together because it just reminded me, especially of Dean, just because Jesse was so similar to Dean. But, mm-hmm. oh, it just made me sad yeah. <laughs> about everything. So, like, cute and innocent in the beginning. It's like, oh, I finally kissed him, which was just, like, adorable. So cute. So cute. And, uh, yeah, kind of seeing him go from that to being more of a hunter. Definitely familiar. And definitely sad, no matter who it happens to. But they got their happy ending, so there's that, too. Where did they go? New Mexico? Yeah, New Mexico. That's cute. Yeah, they spent most of their time hunting in Mexico, is what Cesar said. And I guess Hmm. those monsters are more common in Mexico. No, they said that they knew him because his brother got killed by him. Duh. Yeah. But, um... Stupid. <laughs> Stop! I wouldn't hate it if we saw them again. No, I would not hate it if we saw them again. Especially if we get, um... Cass in on the action, too, to just... Mm. Uh, just imagine Team Free Will and Jesse and Cesar. <laughs> just, like... Just, like, imagine the look on Sam's face the whole time being, like, what? Like, the fifth wheel? Yeah. (laughs) Total fifth wheel. Maybe get Eileen in there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that would be so cute. Be, like, a big old hunter family. Oh, yeah. Someone write a fic. Yeah, someone write a fic. Get Claire, Alex, and Jody in there. We need more ladies. I like how this is shaping up. I do, too. Like, some kind of really cute, fluffy bunker fic that is just rotting my teeth as we speak. Yeah. But um, kind of more back to the episode. I just, I remember when those promo pictures came out and people were like, oh, they're definitely not brothers. Like, their husband or their boyfriends or whatever. And then, like, all the articles were like, oh, the two brothers. And people were really upset. And I was like, I don't know, man. Those pictures look pretty gay. And then when they were like, oh, we're actually an old married couple after Dean kind of assumed they were brothers just made me... Ugh, Nancy. Nancy Wan. It was honestly so thrilling just because, you know, we as a fandom sort of like make these, like come to these conclusions. And it's not that they're invalid, but we usually don't get to have those. 
Mm-hmm. We don't usually get to be right about that. And we were this time and it felt really good. <laughs> yeah, it felt really good to kind of have to go back or go back and like look at those articles and be like, you were wrong. They're gay. Shut up. Or bisexual. You never know. They're not brothers. That's the point. Yeah, they're not brothers. <laughs> and they've known each other for seven years, which is coincidentally how long Dean and Cass have known each other. In case y'all aren't keeping track of that. I can ba- I can almost hear the X-Files theme playing. Like, it was just the most, like, like, having them there, I just, like, I just remember watching the episode, and, like, I remember texting you and being like, oh, my God. Because it's just so blatant. God. It's like, it's like, you can see all the pieces hanging there, and you're just, like, waiting for them to come together. You know what I mean? The The pieces just keep fucking getting bigger and, like, easier to put together as we've gone out, especially in this season. Like, holy crap. Yeah, I feel like to make sort of an analogy of it, you know, like one of those thousand-piece jigsaw puzzles you put, you take two weeks to put together, I feel like that's sort of like all these, you know, huge meta posts that are, you know, they've got all these listed different metas, and those are excellent. I love reading those, and I, I've read a lot of them, and I've read a lot of meta about Dean Cass, but, like, this is, like, one of those, like, kindergarten jigsaw puzzles that has, like, five pieces. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like the longer we go on the the big like you said the bigger the pieces get it's like it just becomes more and more obvious as time goes on yeah that is such a good metaphor for it because it's just like you don't even need to like make a leap like you know like some like parallels or whatever I don't really notice until people like point them out to me but it's like no two dudes one who has a brother one whose name starts with C are married having known and worked together for seven years like okay (laughs) yeah did you just did you how did you come by seven years was it I mean you can't have just done that by accident like I mean I guess you could have but like yeah like they made a point to like say how long they've known each other or how long they've been working together like they didn't have to say that they could have been like oh a couple years or like a decade or you know yeah or as long as I can remember or stuff like that but like nope seven years conveniently even if they had said, even if they had said something like, since I started hunting, I it, it could have been anything. Could have been anything. Yeah. Like, they could have said, like, oh, like, he, like, you know, had my back on, like, a hunt that, like, went sour or whatever, and we've been working together ever since, or, like, literally anything. They did not have to say seven years, but they did. Can you believe Dean and Cass have been staring at each other like that for seven years? Oh, no, I can't. That's so ridiculous. Wouldn't you combust? I mean, like... I don't know. I like, I don't, I don't even know if I have friends that I've had. That's a lie. I have friends that I've had for seven years, but like no one who I would like potentially date. It's just so wild. Yeah. I mean, like the most I've lasted sexual tension wise was like two months. So. (laughs) (laughs) So they just, you know, have, they have more important things to deal with though. I, I, my life is not very important. (laughs) I'm like drawing, I keep drawing a blank on this episode for some reason. Yeah, me too. Like, I just remember that I really enjoyed it and that it was really good. And that was it. Yeah, I yeah, I think, it. yeah, I think this episode kind of, this episode was very much straightforward what it was. You know, it was like Monster of the Week, Cassidy in Parallel, that's it. I think it was a really well done Monster of the Week, but I think it, it's kind of like, um, what was the, the Robbie episode at the old folks home? It was like that. Like, I really enjoyed it while I was watching it. It was a great episode, but other than a few little meta bits, it's just there's not 
so much to comment on, but that doesn't mean it was a bad episode. It just means there's just not as much meat there. Yeah. I mean, the plot episodes are only the only thing that, you know, obviously move the plot forward. Like, a Monster of the Week episode is just filler and commentary. Yeah. Although these, you know, Dean was worried about Cass, you know. We had like we've had like I think seven episodes in a row now. Where Jesus Dean... Christ, Dean, <laughs> thirsty bitch. Are you tr- are you trying anymore? No, are you trying that's to hide the thing it? Is they're trying really hard. <laughs> <laughs> are you trying to hide it anymore, Dean? Because I don't think you're fooling anyone. Well, see, that's the thing. Is like people like they're like oh they're not even trying to hide it. It's like they're not. <laughs> Like, Dean has done nothing but been like, oh, where's Cass? Like, oh, the fucking apocalypse is coming again? Oh, great. Well, where's Cass? And then we have fucking Hunter Husbands, one with a dead brother, which does not bode well for Sam, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Really does not bode well for him. And we've got Dean. What's it like to settle down with a Hunter? Shut the fuck. Shut the hell your mouth. (laughs) Oh my god, I can't believe we haven't mentioned that line already. (laughs) Of all the things he could have asked. Dean, you try so hard. He doesn't. He really doesn't. He thinks he's hiding it well. He thinks. And he's just... He's not subtle at all. Yeah. (laughs) It was really funny, like, watching him, like, put the pieces together when they're like, oh, actually, like, an old married couple. And he's like, A plus B equals C. And you can just see it on his face. And he's like, oh, okay. And then he sits back. This son of a bitch could ask anything, change the subject, whatever. No. What's it like to settle down with a hunter? God. Fuck you, Dean. (laughs) And I know that, you know, it's obvious, it's an acting choice on Jensen's part, you know, to make Dean so expressive and make him such an open book in terms of, you know, watching, (laughs) watching the sort of like the, the gears turn in his head. But I love that about Dean. I love that he's... So easy to read emotionally and just, I don't know. I just love that. Uh, like, if he were a real person. Yeah, yeah, think? no. It, it's almost like, um, I would kind of describe it, he's like a clown. And I don't mean that in like a like a clownish way. I mean it in kind of more of a classical way where they, you know, someone really acts with their movement and facial expression and is very expressive. A lot of people say the same thing about like Brian Cranston and how he played Walter White. And I think... You know, yeah. I think Jensen very much has kind of a clownish aspect to his acting. He's just very expressive, and he says paragraphs with one look. Yes. I love that about how Jensen portrays Dean. It just makes him so dynamic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it definitely it definitely makes it more interesting, because you, you can just read him like a book, and I, I love it. It just makes it so much more fun, I think, t- as a viewer. Oh, another thing that I'm kind of thinking about in this episode now, so since we kind of, you know, talked about that awful, awful scene where Dean just can't hide his big crush on Cass. (laughs) Um, Pathetic. Yeah, at the end, Jesse gets his um, brother's lucky coin, and I'm wondering how that relates to the Samulet coming back in the next episode. Good one. Yeah, I didn't yeah. catch that. I just thought of it now. I haven't seen anyone talk about it, but I'm surprised no one has talked about it. You know, it was his brother's. So it it was his brother saying that he was going to get rid of it for the best of them. And then his brother died. 
and he finally got it back after all those years, and Sam and Dean are finally getting the Samulet back after all these years. I saw one of the producers say yeah, that I God think, put it you know, for... in Sam's pocket. I also saw someone say to Khan that Jensen said he had it all those years, so I don't know what's the truth. I think God put it there. That's my kind of personal reading of it. So. Yeah, because... I think Chuck in the episode, he was like, you'll never, you'd never believe where I found this. And Metatron just sort of brushes that comment to the side because he's distracted with something else. But I think he sort of implied that he found it in the garbage. Yeah. Or you'd never guess where this has been all these years. Yeah. 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 Um, so I think, you know, I think that kind of has some relevance to the brothers and how their fate is going to play out at the end of the season. Like I said, doesn't, doesn't look well for Sam, but we know he's not going to die for real. So it doesn't matter. And I mean, between the brothers, he's usually the one to die. I mean, he died in season two. He died at the end of season five. Lost his soul. Almost died in season eight. Almost died in the end of... Oh, no, never mind. I was going to say, when Gadriel, but that was season eight. That's the end of season eight. I guess maybe it's inaccurate to say that Sam usually dies because, I mean, Deed has died major... Uh, not, not counting, you know, dog... Uh, What's the name of that episode? Uh, Mystery Spot. Yes, not counting Mystery Spot. He died at the end of season three and then the end of season nine. So, I mean, and if we want to count Purgatory, we don't, I don't think we count Purgatory. No, I don't think so because they don't have to like reanimate themselves. Right, his whole body was in Purgatory. Yeah, it's just like when they like go to hell, like he's not dead, he's just there. Right, and anyway, so... I think maybe it's not accurate to say that Sam dies more. I think it's more accurate to say, though, that Sam's death moves the plot more. Yeah, it moves the plot more because Dean is going to be the motivated force. Like, it really, the I feel like the the narrative really relies on Dean to be, to react in a really flippant way to, to Sam's deaths. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we're talking about people who die the most, it's probably Cass. Yeah. <laughs> Poor guy. At least God's on his side. <laughs> He's been resurrected so many times. Yeah, so let's kind of finish up talking about the chitters, I think, kind of just the end there. Okay. Before we kind of get really into the next episode, because there's, there's a lot there. More so than this one. You know, the end when, you know, he's finally, you know, they got their closure and they're burning... Um, Jesse's brother's bones, and they're like, we're done. Dean just looks so jealous. Like, Sam looks really happy for them, and Dean just looks just jealous, which, I mean, I think is particularly interesting because this week's monster was a liter- literal green-eyed monster. That's interesting that you say that. I don't, I don't not, I'm not remembering Dean's expression, but that really, it fits well within the story and you know the the asking about what it's like to settle down with the hunter and i mean just fits with the whole second half of the season of the whole pining thing i mean that was mentioned one time and then he's dean has done nothing but pine since yeah and it it also um you know because sam wanted to ask them or both of them i guess wanted to ask them for help with Mara and Cass and all that and as soon as dean heard their plans he was like nope like no, we can't be the people to, like, get in the middle of that. I think he's kind of realizing he has to kind of fight his own battles and that in the end that could also work out for him, but he has to kind of get there himself. 
that he can't drag people down with him anymore. Yeah. Oh, Dean. I just want him to be happy. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) And I, I mean, we've talked about this before. I really think Supernatural is kind of going for a happy ending. And this episode just cemented that in my mind. Like, if that doesn't happen... And not like a not like a pseudo happy ending, like the end of season five. Yeah, no, that was not a happy ending. I thought anyway, unpopular opinion, but I thought the end of season five was so unsatisfying. And if it had ended at that, I would have been pissed. Yeah, but anyway, that's a really unpopular opinion. I yeah, I just first of all, it's so unfair for Sam to have to be in the pit for an eternity. I mean, what he sacrificed everything. I mean, I get that the point was the sacrifice, but. I don't know. Just for like a hero, one of the heroes of the story, it's an awful end. Yeah, and then Dean goes and lives with a girl he had a one night stand with, and then never talks to Bobby and Cass again. Like, yeah, I would have been really sad. What? So he can have an apple pie life that actually he didn't really want that Sam insisted he take. I'm like bitter about an ending that didn't happen. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I know. Yeah, that wasn't an ending at all, and yet. But yeah, I, I'm a I'm team happy ending. I'm kind of sick of gritty realism, quote unquote. Yeah, like it's just especially because this series is not realistic in any capacity. So a happy ending, absolutely not re- realistic, but I think it's coming. And like I said, like this episode really kind of cemented it in my mind for me because because we've never really seen Hunter successfully get out, at least not ones that we've spent so much time with and have another person to share their life with. And let alone gay hunters, like, I don't think we've ever, I mean, there's not a lot of LGBT hunters that we've met, but we definitely have not met, um, or there's not a lot of LGBT characters in general that we've met, but we definitely have not met an LGBT hunter that we know of, or couple. Yeah, Jesse and Cesar, they just, they beat the odds. I wonder who else could do that, or have historically done that. Yeah, making it up as they go along. Or base their entire life on the concept of free will. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. So I really, I really enjoyed that episode. It really, it just warmed my heart. Yeah. It was very satisfying. Just everything about it. Like no one died, you know, or well, no one who we wanted or who, no one who we like spent time with died. Any, any thoughts on that? I agree. I think it was pretty solid pretty solid monster of the week episode yeah good job nancy Wan. god love you i know she's been doing great i'm really happy with her episodes this season she's been a great addition to the writing team definitely better than adam glass was i think so it's good to have her as an addition to the team honestly adam glass episodes were in my opinion just so boring yeah except for the ones with young dean (laughs) yeah questions comments last minute things I think I kind of said everything. I think we should move on to uh, Don't Call Me Shirley. Oh, shit. Here it is. Oh, man. So, episode 20, Don't Call Me Shirley, written by Robbie Thompson, directed by Robert Singer. A great episode. Some may say one of the best episodes Supernatural has ever done. I saw a lot of people say that. I'm inclined to agree. It's definitely one of their highest marks and... Robbie Thompson just really, you know, you know, doing his best work on his last entry, unfortunately. Yeah, I have to say that um, I think I would agree with the assessment that this is the best written episode of Supernatural. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know how much that contributes to best overall episode, but it's pretty damn high. Yeah, I I think I mean, I I just I love this episode so much, and I, like I, we kind of talked about earlier, Robbie, you know, he's been doing like this whole season has had a lot of dual narratives, kind of messing with time and space, and Robbie had um safe house where he did that just masterfully. And he did it again, I thought. I mean, this one, I think Sam and Dean were kind of sidelined, which I was totally okay with because, as I spoke about last episode, I unapologetically love Metatron. So, Well, now you're vindicated in your love for Metatron. I know! I saw so many people that were like, oh, I actually like Metatron this episode, and I was just so happy about that. <laughs> um, Just another comment before we get into talking about the actual episode, too. I have to say that I'm glad I didn't know this was Robbie's last episode before I watched it. Oh my god, me too. (laughs) Because I just, I don't know how that would have shaped my expectations. Or like, I mean, my expectations are always high for Robbie. And he always delivers and exceeds my expectations. But I don't know. I think it would have changed my experience of it. And I think my experience of this episode was just so purely joyful. Mm -hmm. Oh my god, I would have been a mess. I would have been crying the whole time if I'd known. That would have been the worst. I'm glad he waited. Yeah. I mean, usually he would, you know, people wait till the end of the season. But as some have been theorizing, he announced it exactly a year from when uh, Charlie was killed. So make of that what you will. You know, I can't say I blame him if that's why he left. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely not. And, you know, he really kind of went out with a bang, especially if that's the reason he left uh, making God bisexual. Good God. <laughs> not to be, not to make any puns or anything. What a good egg. What a good egg. Just straight up, just like a good guy. I know. I know. Oh my God, we're doing this again. We do this every single time we talk about a Robbie episode. I think we just get sidetracked with how much we're just like, oh, Robbie, we love you. <laughs> oh, I know. Which, by the way, guys, we're going to do, I think, sometime this summer. Probably one of the first episodes we're going to do post-season finale is just, I think I'm going to go back and watch Robbie's episodes and we'll talk about that and muse on him because we both love him and I think he's contributed so much to Supernatural and is just, I, I can't think of another television writer who just got and respected fandom so well, as well as he did. And I just have a tremendous amount of respect for him and this work. And he got us, and he was an excellent writer. It wasn't, like, one or the other, which is just such a gift. Such a gift. Okay, so let's, I'm going to cry, which I don't want to do right now, so <laughs> let's talk about the episode. Okay. So we kind of, we opened up, this, also, this episode just kind of fucking destroyed every prediction I made last episode, by the way, because I thought Metatron was going to be a dick still, but... So we kind of opened up with him, you know, feeding a starving dog, which is just, like, textbook, um, sympathize with me. Yeah. And, you know, having Chuck call him up, and Chuck finally being revealed as God, which I see a lot of people kind of, like, like, we all know he was going to be God. Like, people are like, oh, I didn't want him to be God. It's like, he's been God since season five. Like, get over it. (laughs) No offense. Yeah, like, when he just disintegrated at at the conclusion of his story, I mean... (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I just yeah. to me that was not ambiguous at all. 
No, I, I didn't think so either. And I saw some people saying like, oh, maybe he's the vessel of God, which I think is a very interesting spec and I think still has merit because that's clearly not his true form. So, but yeah, we, we knew Chuck was going to be revealed as God. And what it, you know, you bring in a character that's God and that's so, I think that that's so difficult to do just because how do you conceptualize that? First of all, how do you conceptualize it? How do you make them not a complete deus ex machina? How do you make them not a flat character? But I think that Robbie did an excellent job just because he showed such a range of emotion. He had, he obviously had some hidden motivation. Mm -hmm. And I just think there was so much there and there's still so much to be uncovered. And it's just, I can't believe that they introduced a character that is literally God and it's such a good character. Yeah. And I thought the introduction was hilarious where he just had put the glasses on and he snapped and like the fucking like gospel music. <laughs> Cause it's like, you're going to reveal God. You might as well do it in like the kind of stupidest way possible because th there's no other way. Like you there's can't take, that's... you cannot take revealing a character as God seriously. No. So I thought that was really funny and just, Bringing back I, what I assume were the holy fire glasses, maybe. Right. But <laughs> I just thought the reveal was really funny. And I thought it was interesting. I guess this kind of um, adds warrant to the vessel theory um, that Metatron didn't recognize him right away. Yeah. Although he doesn't have his grace, so there's that. I mean, I'm sort of more leaning towards the the idea that he he would have constructed... A body for himself. Yeah, that's true. He is God. So. <laughs> Just like sort of tailor-made, I guess. Yeah. I mean, what kind of vessel is going to be able to hold God? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I just... I thought his intro was great. Like you said, like how, like, how do you make God, like, an interesting character? And I guess you do that by kind of making him a pathetic douchebag and having someone rail on him. And having him be fallible and very like human yeah <laughs> for lack of a better description and i know that you know god i feel like is conceptualized as you know obviously like the perfect almighty being but like the thing that i kept getting hung up on was the sort of like man created in god's image mm -hmm. and so you know if god is flawed then humanity is flawed and then vice versa I don't know anything about the Bible, and I've never read any parts. I've le like read like two minuscule parts of the Bible for literature courses, and yeah, I don't really know anything that. about the Bible or theology or anything. But that's just sort of what I've picked up over the years, I guess. Yeah, and I mean, just I mean, I feel like <laughs> I say what you want about supernatural. I'll probably agree with everything you say, but making the literal God a bisexual deadbeat dad is pretty ballsy. Yeah. And like, I think it's funny because I haven't seen too much backlash because, you know, Supernatural is not a big show, but in some like reviews and articles, I've seen people being like, Supernatural went too far. Like, God would never be a homosexual. I'm like, that's really what you're against here? Like, he's a deadbeat dad who wants, the he's complacent in the destruction of the world, but you're angry that he's dated men. Yeah, had a few boyfriends. <laughs> Kudos to that. And I see people are like, oh, it's just like placating. Like, he's not a big character. Like, 
I, I mean, yet true. He's not in that many episodes, but he's God. He's he's literally God. Like, it's <laughs> like, not I insignificant. I don't know how, like, much I can stress that. Like, I'm just, I'm not willing to be unhappy about it just because it's it's not insignificant. It was, like you said, it was pretty damn ballsy. And, like, I'm not going to, like, pat Supernatural on the back for, like, LGBT representation, but I think making God bisexual is just a really, a very much appreciated move. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we usually spend this podcast praising Jensen or Misha, but I think uh, Rob did a great job with God. Because he's just kind of a tiny man. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like he did a good job making himself feel godly, I guess. Or wrathful. Frightening. Yeah. There's a certain... He does. He has like a certain en- energy about him that's it's convincing when he plays him. It is. It really is. I think... You know, I mean... I mean, how do you like go into a show and be like, okay, you're playing God. Like, how do you, how is it, as an actor would you like come to terms with that? And I think he he did a great job. Um, and I mean, I think again, like Robbie's script was phenomenal, and I think that always helps. But he um, his portrayal of God was just very I, I don't want to say convincing because it's not like. Anyway, well, maybe if you do believe in God, you can tell me if it was a convincing portrayal of God or not. One thing I've been thinking about too is um I'm I'm intrigued to see how Chuck is going to interact with Sam and Dean and how how that's going to kind of go just because he's in the promo he seemed very nonchalant. Mhm. And I know that Dean's not going to be you know, he already has a lot of resentment about you know, his feeling abandoned in the apocalypse and not f- feeling like sort of what did he say in the confessional scene? I don't think God has any interest um, in this anymore. Um, so we know that Dean has a lot he, of baggage. He believes about this. in God, but he's not listening. Yes. Or he does not believe in us. Yeah. Something to that effect. I'm pretty sure he said that he does not believe in us, which is actually very on point with how he acted in this episode because he was like, nature is the only good thing. I'm just going to kind of let humanity destroy itself. And by humanity, I mean Sam and Dean destroy humanity. <laughs> well, Dean is the epitome of humanity in this show. Mm-hmm. You know, he called out the brothers, like, he's like, the darkness isn't really my problem. Like, the world would have continued if Dean stayed a demon. So he's kind of calling out the brothers' bullshit, which another trend we've had this season. And that's another thing that needs to be called out, but again, won't be solved until the very end, because the brother's relationship is the thing that holds the entire series together, so don't be surprised on that one. I think as far as, like, Sam and Dean, I don't think there's too much to comment on that in this episode. I thought their kind of little, you know, with the fog was, I think, usurped so much by Metatron and God, um, Chuck and Metatron. I think it was, I mean, like, it wasn't bad, it's just... You know, when you have God and the fucking writer of God's word in a room together, it's just going to be more interesting than Sam and Dean. Doing sort of what they normally do. Mm-hmm. Although you had an interesting thing to say, like the fog seemed to only attack um, couples. What were you saying about that? Um, what was I saying about that? I'm sure it was really clever. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, um, definitely. Yeah, it was only it was only attacking couples you know it was causing the 
what what was the first couple? It was like the husband killed the wife and then killed himself. Mm-hmm. And then the the cop lady, she killed her husband and then tried to kill herself, right? But couldn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we had the couple kind of running, holding hands. Yeah, so many couples in this episode. And it's, oh, I think I remember now. Yeah, I was saying that. So I was thinking, what if Amara tries to control Dean into killing Cass? Just sort of like that whole couple thing. Um, Because we know that Amara has this fixation on Dean and is apparently gonna just like save him and only him and keep him like as her pet or something. Mm -hmm. But... You know, we know that Dean is not going to be just going to go along with that happily. But I'm just, I'm like wondering, you know, the whole being infected by the fog causes you to kill your spouse and then yourself. Or it causes you just to kill in general, but we're only shown couples. Right, right. (laughs) And like, why are we shown couples? Like, it's got to be. It is a mystery. And I think it was doubly interesting because Sam breathed in the fog and. I mean, he didn't turn murderous or anything. I think, I th- yeah. I mean, it it did affect him, though. I think it was, like, starting to affect him. And then Dean called out, and I guess God heard him. I mean, God probably hears everything. So he's like, all right, let's put the, let's put the pause on this. Yeah. And bring everyone back to life. Which bodes well for the forebodingness that we had for Sam in the previous episode. <laughs> right. But I think, I don't know, God, I think, is, is a little shady. He's a little shady. I don't trust him. Yeah, he's got something up his sleeve, and it's not going to be good for the Winchesters or Cass, necessarily. No, I think I think he'll probably, I think he's kind of being set up to be almost like how Metatron was set up in season eight. He's like the answer to all these problems. But then at the very last second, he ends up just fucking over everything. So that's kind of how I see that going. And then Metatron, I think, is probably going to die. Which kind of makes me sad, but if Robbie's not going to be around to write him, I could deal with that. And it, it kind of makes sense because, you know, he was the bad guy. And then mm-hmm. now he's sort of been redeemed, and so now now what? I mean, they... Now he's got to sacrifice himself for the cause. Yep. I mean, they keep Crowley around, even though he's <sighs> was sort of remorseful at the end of season eight. But, I mean, I think that's more because of extra show reasons like reasons outside of inside the show i think it's probably like networky like mark shepherd is a fan favorite we have to keep him around yeah and i think metatron on the other hand is he's sort of completed his purpose in the plot which sounds really kind of impersonal and i don't know yeah, man. that's how story works so he's probably going to be the uh annual person that has to die in episode 21 I mean, we'll see a couple days from now. Yeah, right? Yeah, probably a day of by the time I post this. Is this another Buck Lemming episode coming up? Yeah. Oh, God. They just I feel like they just did one. Why are they... They did. The, yeah, last episode we talked about one. Okay. They need to stop. <laughs> enough. I've had enough. I mean, their episodes this season have not been as bad as they've been in the past. Is what I will say. However, they are also responsible for the worst episode the show has ever had. And when your show has 
220-something episodes. That's saying a lot. Pretty bad. That's pretty bad. Also, I think I think it's funny how they, you know, continue to shit on bugs. I haven't watched that episode in years, but I remember I refuse it being to bad. watch it again. I've seen it one time. <laughs> I refuse to watch it again. <laughs> Is it really that bad? It's bad. Oh, man. I mean, it's a bad plot. It's a bad premise. And I don't like bugs. I don't want to see them. Yeah, no, I haven't watched it in years, but eventually I'll do a rewatch and I'll watch every episode except for 1021, obviously. But, um, <laughs> so yeah, we'll see. Maybe my opinion on bugs will be different. Probably not. I was going to say good luck with that one. <laughs> what else have we not talked about? Oh, I guess Metatron's, you know, Metatron's redeemed his speech. It was very moving. Um, it was. I think Curtis did a great job. I think the acting in this episode was great. And I think it really, it makes, a lot of people were like, oh, like, this is cast catharsis, like, and it's being given to Metatron. But I, I think we know that they're going to interact at some point, God and Cass. I think Cass will get his, get his catharsis. But I don't think at this point it would have been right. Because can you imagine Cass as he is now in his mental state having to confront God and God being like, oh, you were just the angel in the room. Like, the reason I kept bringing you back is because you were just there. No, that would honestly, it would destroy him. It would have destroyed him. He's not in the mental place where he could be like, no, you're wrong. Like, humanity is great. He's not his best. I I mean, he's not going to be at his best probably for a while. But I think after we get him back, I think he's really going to kind of see his worth. And I think that's kind of going to give him the strength to confront God and, you know, say what he needs to say. (laughs) Yeah. And I and Chuck and Chuck can be remorseful now because he kind of realizes that he's being a dickhead. And I think, it just in my opinion, I think is more powerful this way just because I think of the power of the narrative of Cass being able to come to a realization that he's worthy or that he has worth all on his own. Like, he is not given that. He finds it for himself. You know, you kind of have Metatron who thinks very highly of himself and kind of realizes that, he, like, when you know, when he becomes human, he learns all about himself and humanity and... You know, he really, really learned his lesson. And I think, I mean, Cass has known that since season four. And, you know, I'm just imagining the logistics of Cass confronting God. And, like, Robbie's a good writer, but I don't think there's a good way to get them in the same room. At least not yet. Yeah, not yet. Not not while Lucifer is being held by Amara and Cass is being held by Lucifer. And, like, he's God, but... You can't just wield that in an episode without any kind of consequences. No. That's just bad writing. Yeah. And I, I'm like 99% sure Cass is going to be back next episode. So Thank God. I've missed him. I know, I miss him. I missed him, but I kind of have really loved this Dean Pining and the Lucifer stuff. So, <sighs> you know, got to make some sacrifices. I love the end of the episode was just... Oh God, it was so good, Robbie. It was, it was, it was a goodbye in so many ways. It was. Oh God, it was beautiful. Rob Benedict has a great singing voice. I love the idea that God sings and plays guitar. Yeah, the music choice was perfect. Just the kind of montage over it, everyone coming back to life, and God saying goodbye. Metatron kind of looking pretty horrified at whatever he was reading so i'm sure we'll find that out soon and um you know god 
sending back this amulet and saying that they've got stuff to talk about. Oh, such a good end. And just the look, I mean, they're holding this amulet and, you know, they didn't, no one had to remind the audience what that meant, you know. Mm-hmm. Sam and Dean, the looks on their face, they didn't have to say anything. They, they knew what was going on, but they just couldn't believe it. And it was so good. Yeah, as soon as Dean kind of pulled that out of Sam's pocket, they knew what they were in for. I just don't think they expected Chuck. What a great episode. Is that about everything we wanted to say about it? (laughs) We're both just like sitting in emotional contemplative silence. I mean, honestly, I'm kind of loath to pick it apart anymore. Like... I, I do love Meta, you know, obviously, but I just, for this one, just, like, for Robbie's last episode, and I think just for right now, I'm kind of content to let it just, like, sort of exist. Mm-hmm. And it just sort of be the force that it is. I don't know. Yeah, I think I think Robbie said goodbye the best way he knew how to, and I think he just did an incredible job. And I am so happy with the episode and every episode he's given us and um I don't think we could have asked for a better episode for him to you know send off on exactly all right on that note should we talk about our prediction well yeah so last last episode um we talked about kind of how we thought the rest of the season was gonna go and clearly my prediction about Metatron is just wrong as fuck so I'm a, a like I said, I think Metatron's going to die now. I think God is going to do something sketchy. Um, I think he's going to ultimately sacrifice himself for the greater good, but whatever sketchy thing he did, is it's too late to kind of reverse that. Right. So I think that's kind of how... I don't know what it's going to be, but... I mean, because, like, how do you get bigger than Amara in the darkness? Because I think that's going to have to end the season, I think, definitely. I think um, so, too. I think you could. they might be able to, like, leave Lucifer out, and maybe he could be the big bad, but I don't know. I really... I don't know what kind of big bad is coming. It's not like season um, nine when we were like, oh, Dean's going to be a demon. Like when people were guessing that like six episodes out. Yeah. So that'll, that'll be interesting. But we had someone write in with their prediction, which you guys are always welcome to do. We love hearing from you guys. It makes our job easier and more fun. Um, so Tumblr user... If I pronounce this wrong, I'm sorry. I think it's any Ray. They say, prediction time. What if Amara is locked away by an archangel sacrificing his grace? What if Cass was this archangel? Cass resurrected him as a normal seraph, and Cass was his favorite angel ever since. Uh, Just that Cass can't remember this because Chuck doesn't want everyone to know that he favors this one angel in creation. Chuck uses Lucifer's grace to lock Amara away again, and Cass is free. Yeah. And Dean is so happy that he kisses him without thinking. A girl can dream. Same girl. <laughs> Same. <laughs> that's oh yeah, that's something we, we forgot um neglected to mention is um you know, Metatron makes two comments saying Cass is his favorite, God doesn't say anything, and then Metatron says Lucifer was his favorite and God denies him as his favorite. So I think what we spoke about before, you know, Cass is God's favorite. Definitely. I think that's definitely come true. Yeah. Um Locking away by sacrificing an archangel's grace. That's interesting. That would kind of take out Lucifer, and I'm not really sure how he's going to play into all of that, so that would be a way for him to um, be useful. Someone's going to end up in the empty. Probably more than one someone. 
And uh, Billy's going to have to come back, probably. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so um, this is interesting. Definitely interesting. I'm definitely going to have to keep this in mind. Um, I don't Especially know. because Metatron just mentioned the Archangels. I think that's... Mm-hmm. That yeah, be... I don't. I don't think Cass is an archangel. I think Cass is just special. He's his own thing. I think. I think one of the important parts about Cass is that is that he is a normal angel. I think that's important. His characterization and his sort of his construction, if you will. Yeah, yeah, I th- yeah. I think that's important. It's like Cass is just an angel in the way that the Winchesters are just human. Yep. You know, kind of different sides of the same coin they're just what they say they are they're not these super powerful beings they're just god just took a shining to them or just hates them <laughs> yeah so uh thank you thank you for your prediction and uh we kind of you know we did a cheat sheet version of our predictions this isn't a prediction episode so we're just going to kind of leave it at that and um let's uh move on to Fickrek. all right so i'm going to wreck a very new fic from the Supernatural Case Fic Mini Bang 2016, Superior by Musaway. Um, I'm pretty sure I've wrecked something from her before, because she's one of my favorite fic writers, and um, this fic is just like a very kind of. There's been a lot of like creepy, weird, like what like fics that are very eerie and involve water, which is very specific, but it's just like very creepy and really good, and there's some art to go along with it. And I uh, highly recommend. And it's only about 17K, so it's a nice bedtime story. Um, Yeah, speaking of short fix, my fic of the week, or fic rec of the, I don't know, every two weeks, however often we do this. I don't even know. <laughs> it's not <laughs> very consistent. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, Cass and Chill by Xyla Demon. I know I recommend Xyla Demon all the time, but just, just read all of her fix. They're all good. True. But this one's, it's... It's kind of short, too. It's just 3.7k, but it's super good. Alright. So we will see you guys soon. Um, Yeah, so we have three more episodes left until the finale, so I think we'll record one episode where we talk about the two upcoming episodes, you know, maybe give some predictions for the finale, and then we'll do a, you know, finale reaction. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, so there's... there's, um, there's going to be a lot of exciting stuff going on soon, so we will see you guys in a probably closer to a week, you know, because we have a new episode coming out in a few days and then a week after that, so we'll try and get a quick turnaround on this one, guys. All right. See or Talk to you next time. Yeah. Talk to you, talk to you later. Bye. <laughs>